Hello and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHO's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse, from the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how they might impact your day-to-day life. People living in prisons across the European region can often face a range of health issues. These may be existing conditions before entering detention facilities or other threats to health posed by living in confined conditions with other inmates. Health is a human right that must be guaranteed for any individual who finds themselves in a detention facility. WHO Europe's Prison Health Programme seeks to improve the health of people in prison, working with partners to create guidance for authorities to provide healthcare to people in prison. Thelma is a physician in Portugal who works for Ministry of Health and provides care to people in prison who may be suffering with infectious diseases such as HIV and TB. Thelma starts by explaining some of the barriers people in prison have faced when accessing healthcare. Well, um, of course there are several barriers um, in prisons. Uh, For instance, my experience, uh, and I work into uh, correctional facilities, uh, one of them is located more than 100 kilometers away from the hospital. So it's located in a very far away area and distance is a huge problem or it was a huge problem in the past. Patients often, uh, they needed to come to the hospital to do uh, consults, uh, blood exams, other type of exams and they will be taken from the uh, prison very early in the morning, sometimes they wouldn't even be given their morning pills because they would leave so early that they didn't have contact with the nurses to give them the pills. And also they wouldn't be given the methadone, for instance, that's very important for them. Uh, and they will be taken to another prison nearby the hospital and then they'll be waiting there until the time to come to the consult. And all of this logistic was very complicated and very disturbing for them, so many of them would refuse to come to the hospital. Adherence was a huge problem at that, at that time, and we, we needed to, to find a way to, to solve this problem. So they will refuse often to come to the hospital to be, uh, oh yeah, there was something else. They would feel like they would be taken to the hospital with the guards and handcuffs. So often they will feel the stigma by other patients and also health workers uh, sometimes. So, as Thelma explained, there are some barriers to health among people in prison. But in Portugal, an agreement was made between the Ministry of Justice and Ministry of Health to allow health workers direct access to prisons to treat people. In a way to overcome all of these problems, uh, there was a bilateral agreement between Ministry of Health and Ministry of Justice that allowed the, the infectious disease specialists and gastroenterologists to enter correctional facilities. So the consuls wouldn't be anymore at the hospital, they would be inside the correctional facilities. This allowed um, was mostly because of that time we're talking about a lot, a lot about hepatitis C and the need to treat everybody. And of course, people living in uh, correctional facilities are a group of major risk for hepatitis C, uh, allowed for this uh, bilateral agreement that 
at the moment is not focused on hepatitis C anymore, but all the other infectious diseases that happen inside prisons. What I can say from my experience, I started to go inside these two prisons uh, in 2018, is that adherence to consults and medication improved a lot. Really, I almost don't have any refuse to come to my to the consults, and pe- uh, patients are almost all controlled with, um, ideally controlled with the medicines. Also, we managed to treat almost all our our patients with hepatitis C, and they are all cured. Only few of them are still waiting for um, results to confirm their cure. Um, and now we have a few ones that, the ones that are coming in, we're treating them, but the biggest amount, they are all treated at the moment. We also managed to do something else that was also very, very useful for them, that is doing fiber scan inside prisons. Fiber scan is a kind of exam that you use to evaluate the fibro- liver fibrosis, and they will need to come to, to this city where uh, we work that's 100 kilometers away to do it. And it's actually a very easy exam to do if you have a portable fiber scan. So we went there, I took the fiber scan and did fiber scan in all patients and they, needed, they didn't need to be moved to do this test. So this allowed us to treat much faster everybody. And there is no inconvenience, uh, no barriers from the people working inside prisons. In addition to this, Telma and her colleagues have worked with NGOs who speak with inmates to raise awareness around specific health issues, such as safe tattooing practices to prevent the spread of infectious diseases, including HIV and hepatitis. But what about continuity of care? For example, people who have since left prison having served their sentence. Telma explains the difficulties in this area. So... Continuity of care is still a motive of concern for me uh, because while they are inside the correctional facility is easy. We know where they are, we know what they are taking, where somebody that looks after them, gives them their pills um, and if them, something goes wrong, they will ask and they will be seen by us and everything is done inside the correctional facility. Um, once they are outside, if it is planned, it's okay. Because, But the problem is that mostly or often they come out uh, very abruptly. So they, have, they can go to, to the court to, to have a decision and the same day they come out. So there is no preparation um, of what happens after and where will they go, uh, with whom they will stay, where they'll be followed afterwards, how many pills they are taking with them. This concerning infectious diseases. Um, so it can be that a person is liberated and takes pills for a month, or it can be that it takes for a few days. And this is a big problem because we have people from all over Portugal in that prison. So if they are from that city where we work, it's okay. They know where they can go. But if they go to a very far away place, they, it might be very difficult. Um, when we have time to plan everything, we, we manage to give them pills enough 
for them uh, to until they will be uh, seen in the other hospital, until they fix an appointment, we can manage to send all the medical information to our colleagues working uh, at the other hospital. We inform them, okay, this person is going to be liberated and is taking these, these are his diseases, this is what we have done until now, uh, and it is an appointment, and that's perfect. But when we don't know, uh, or when we are informed, just at the moment they are liberated, is is stressful for them, especially for them. Um, so often we need to try to contact the person, try to see if they manage to fix an appointment, to check if he has medication until the appointment, uh, what does he need. Sometimes we even ask them to come back to the city where we work so that they can manage to have medication until they are seen in their own city. So this absence of planning when the persons come out is a problem uh, for us and for them, and this must be improved. Communication must be improved. Uh, planning must be uh, improved. The moment the moment they are liberated is a very happy moment for them, but also a very stressful moment. The most many or few have been inside prison for a very long time. They are very fragile situation. Maybe they don't know where to go, where. Maybe family, they might have family problems. Uh, they don't know where to go to the hospital and which hospital they can go um, and if they will be seen or not. So they are lost. And being on the other side for us is also very stressful because we need to be sure they have been followed correctly and they are taking their pills and they have somebody to ask for help if they need. Continuity of care also includes rehabilitation of prisoners, particularly if they have a history of drug use, helping reduce rates of reoffending. Dan knows the system inside and out, having previously spent time in prison and more recently working with Initiativa Positiva, an NGO that works with former inmates and people currently in prison at Penitentiary Number no. 9 to overcome addiction and benefit from professional training while learning new skills. Well, uh, first of all, um the center provides a rehabilitation program which helps detainees overcome uh, drug addictions the the rehabilitation program actually is quite uh, quite multi-directional so uh, it not only focuses on the 12-step program you know the the standard 12-step program but it also uh, uh, offers people professional training offers people uh, employment opportunities, offers people uh, uh, personal growth. So it, it, it's, 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 a very, it's a very complex and, and very um, efficient program, I would say. And uh, naturally, it helps people reintegrate into society after being released. Um, and that's the part where uh, NGO, the NGO Positive Initiative uh, comes in well. It actually uh, handles the uh, rehabilitation process inside the rehabilitation center. But after uh, the residents are being released, uh, 
the penitentiary and the other parties, they no longer deal with them. So this is the part where only the NGO positive initiative uh, uh, continues to work with these people. So we, we help uh, these people uh, with housing, temporary housing, if needed. We help them uh, solve their social, legal matters, if necessary. Uh, we help them find a job. Uh, if they do not have the, uh, the necessary skills, we help them get trainings, uh, gain the necessary skills. So uh, I would say it offers the full length uh, services. So uh, um, rehabilitation, uh, drug rehabilitation in prison and reintegration after being released. The work of Initiativa Positiva has seen many people who have spent time in prison go on to create a new life for themselves within society. It's a very, it's, it's a, a big pleasure for me to speak about uh, this um, at every possible occasion. Because uh, uh, the actual effectiveness or success indicators of this therapeutic community are the people. Uh, these are the people that um, were... Uh, that have been released from prison and uh, they started a brand new life, drug-free, crime-free, they have families, they started businesses, uh, they have uh, moved on with their studies. Um, so at the moment, 41 people have uh, undergone the rehabilitation program, 17 of which have been released they finished the program and have been released, and none of them have returned to prison. So uh, three years now, uh, because in, in July, in July, in the past month, uh, the therapeutic community uh, celebrated its uh, third birthday, and uh, we still have a one hundred percent success rate. Because none of the people that uh, have been released return to prison. Uh, we see that I am actually one of them. So uh, I've been, uh, short story, I've been addicted to drugs for uh, over 15 years. I've spent about five years in prison. And uh, what I couldn't cope with in these 15 years... Uh, I coped, I overcame in this therapeutic community. So uh, it helped me and uh, it offered me, when I was uh, undergoing the rehabilitation program, it offered me um, the opportunity to participate in a journalistic contest, uh, to write an article about uh, uh, the right to education in prison. Uh, I, I'm not a journalist. I don't have journalist um, uh, education. I just wanted to give it a shot because I was in prison. I had lots of time. So uh, I gave it a shot. I won uh, a very good uh, um, prize. So uh, it offered me a new perspective. I actually um, understood that I have some um, perspective in journalism. So after being released, the NGO Positive Initiative uh, took me, uh, employed me, and I am now the head of the media department of this NGO. So uh, I am one of the success stories, and uh, we are surrounded by these success stories everywhere. Uh, we keep in touch. Uh, these 17 people 
some of them have families, some of them started even businesses, uh, some of them continued to study. These examples from Portugal and Moldova show what can be done to ensure people in prison and former inmates can access healthcare and be rehabilitated. But what is the broader situation in the WHO European region? Um, in, in general, um, one can say that uh, the overall situation in prisons is now more and more looked at from a human rights perspective. Um, I think that uh, partly has to do, on the one hand, that there is more human rights awareness, thanks to increasing advocacy uh, in this respect, but also because of the um, jurisprudence and case law of the European Court of Human Rights, as concerns the human rights of people in incarceration. Thomas Cattell is Deputy Executive Secretary at the Pompadour Group, the Council of Europe's drug policy cooperation platform. As we all know, human rights entail a positive and negative obligation for the governments and uh, the European Convention on Human Rights sets mandatory um, standards for the member states of the Council of Europe and the case law of the decisions, the case of the European Court of Human Rights is also binding for the member states. So over the last year, over the last years, we have seen increasing, increasingly decisions emerging that uh, give some clearer guidance as to the positive obligations for member states governments as far as the situation of people in prison is concerned. So um, we see uh, more clarity for governments as to what standards uh, they have to uh, adhere to. And at the same time, uh, there is also um, more areas um, as far as uh, deprivation of liberty and detention is concerned, um, where the court is handing down decisions. One key area in this respect is, if I may um, point out to that, the main decisions actually concern the area of health in prison. So, and uh, the, the court has set out um, the doctrine, if you like, that um, the, the treatment options that are available in the community, the treatment options that are available generally in society should be also available inside the prison system. So I think that that's a very important um, step forward. Um, also, the court has recently, over the recent years, uh, started to deliver decisions as far as options are concerned for prisoners who suffer from drug addiction, substance abuse, uh, disorder, etc. Um, and uh, in particular, the availability of opiate agonist treatment. So we understand the importance of governments respecting the human rights of prisoners. Taking this approach improves the situation for people in prison, but also prison authorities. But as Thomas explains, it's important to demonstrate that this approach works. In terms of human rights in prison, um, we have noticed in through our uh, Drugs and Criminal Justice Programme, which has been now for many years uh, tackling the issue of drugs and health in prisons, um, that if you are able to demonstrate that an improvement of a prisoner's health and that improvement of the overall um, situation in which detainees are kept has a concrete influence on the security and the overall uh, management ability to manage a prison. So if you are able to 
make um, prison authorities understand that actually human rights is not is not an additional burden for them, so to say, the ball and chain of enforcement on the legs of enforcement, um, then then you can make the greatest leaps forward to improve human rights in prison because you have you have allies. And the most important allies are the ones who are responsible for the system. So if you manage to demonstrate to them that it also works in their interest, then you make the greatest progress in improving human rights situations in prison. That's all we have time for. Thank you to Telma Azevedo, Dan Arashevsky, and Thomas Katao for taking part in the episode. If you want to find out more about WHO Europe's prison health programme, you can do so on the WHO Europe website. That's euro.who.int. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Hold up. 